1: Hi, and welcome to Creatrix Culture. I'm your host, Sarah Lottie. And today we have a fun day. I decided this week, since it was Prince's Death Day, it's a weird thing to say, Prince's Death Day, on April 21st, I really wanted to do a sort of a um, tribute podcast, and there was no better person to do it with than my dear friend from Minnesota, Rick Osland, who I'll introduce in one moment, He and his brother were kind of my gateway into the deeper part of Prince, which I'll talk about later as well. So I asked him to be on this new episode with me. And before we get into it, I just want to apologize if there are any problems with the sound or loud noises. Normally, if you've listened to my last uh, few podcasts since we've been in COVID, I like to record... Late at night while everyone's sleeping, but due to our schedules today, it was easier for us to be recording in the middle of the day here. So we're just gonna run with it. Anyway, I would like to introduce a very, very, very old dear friend of mine. I think we've been friends now for almost two decades, which is crazy. He is currently in Minneapolis, Minnesota. This is Rick Osland. He is the co founder and performer of Buckets and Tap Shoes, and he's also the co-founder and technical director of Sparkle Theatricals, and he also has a podcast, which is really fun to listen to, and it is called Have Tap Shoes, Will Travel. So, hi, Rick. Hello, hello. Thanks for the plugs. Yeah, of course. I'll plug you all day long. I don't know if that sounded right. as As
0: a sort of additional... Side note to what you mentioned earlier about, I'm in Minneapolis, yes, and I know, uh, and having listened to your previous podcast, it's oftentimes very nice and quiet in the background. Sometimes there might be singing bowls involved, and now
2: I am sitting outside. I I went to a special place today for you, Sarah. I am
0: sitting outside in the parking lot, and in front of me it says, Parking for Jasmine Only.
2: I'm, I'm in the
0: Jasmine 26 parking garage
2: Aww.
3: with
1: my
0: microphone, and the, I'm in Minneapolis right across from Little
1: Tijuana. Oh, it's our old stomping ground, Jasmine 26. Yeah, right here on 26th and Nicollet. Amazing. So Rick and I frequented a lot when I was living back in Minnesota. Jasmine 26, which is a Vietnamese restaurant, and we would belly up at the bar with Vinny. <laughs> Remember when we had we had a short stint of movie night where we gathered a bunch yeah. of people i think we'd only lasted like two weeks or something but it was like a, we got to play a couple movies yeah like it, it was, was like a monday kid. or tuesday so night or something. Did my cousin vinny and i think i was a little bit appealing to his ego because his name is vinny so right. we, we got that one through i think we did goonies i think we did a couple we did back to the
0: future
2: one
1: of those ones we did um indiana jones Do we do Purple Rain, too? I think we might have done Purple Rain. I wasn't there for Purple Rain, but that would have been a perfect thing if we had done, being that we're doing (laughs) a Prince (laughs) tribute podcast. And then also another side note, I know uh, you
0: you said there would be nobody better, but if there were other better people, you don't have their phone numbers right now. So I, I feel honored that you at least gave me a
1: call for this one. That's true. I mean, your brother is like a, you know, like a contender on this because he was there in in your guys kind of like really introducing me to like the other side of Prince, not just, you know, what was so popular on the radio for the majority of our lives. Um, But your brother and I haven't spent as much time together just wandering life um, as you and I have. So I think you are the best contender in this in this podcast and you're right i do really prize my
0: collection of of prints music and videos mainly music a lot of it i have a lot of random rare things that collected from other people over the years or found at cheapo records it's interesting being in minneapolis you can find sometimes you find like rare prints things just because you happen to be
1: in minnesota that's awesome that's really cool um i have a question before we go any go into the Prince stuff, too. Are you right down the street from our other stomping ground of the Bad Waitress? Is that right, back? No, not very far from the last
0: place I saw you. When you came back
2: here, what was it,
0: last summer?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it was in yes. July or August. Yes. That Same that, parking lot, I think. Yeah, you know. yeah. So Rick's, Rick's in our old stomping ground. We we visited both of those restaurants <laughs> very free, very frequently. Like, I would say weekly, if not more than like two times a week or like you know that kind of become our our hangout area i haven't really been back there very much to the bad waitress or even to jasmine 26 especially now but yeah
0: the the one is they have one in northeast minneapolis it's pretty good though i have to
1: say oh really it's just not the same though it's a
0: little different you know it's it's more of the type where they come up to your table like a normal
1: oh so like a good waitress (laughs)
0: Yeah. Like. You don't have to fill out, like, little cards with superheroes' names on them and things.
1: Yeah. Which is fine. But,
0: I don't know. There's a certain charm to the disgruntledness of the employees.
1: Yeah, and that, like, you're just. It's kind of like, you know, a hipstery, dinery, but not diner food place. How many times can you fuck
0: up eggs? Is my question. (laughs) How many times are you going to mess up some over easy
1: eggs? Really? Are they that bad about that? You cannot have them not have
0: them solidified in the center if you're if you're a
2: diner don't
1: screw up eggs that's yeah like rule number one of that's i mean off. that's why you're a diner is because you're serving eggs eggs that's, that's like, like your main thing yeah that's diner 101 that's like burning the toast every time you bring it out <laughs> don't do it just, just adjust your setting you have one, eggs, one one job <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I don't want to go back over there and yell at them about it, or, you know,
3: I'm not going to yell at the server anyway, but I don't want to go back over there and complain about it. Yeah. A, I don't
0: want to hear that. And B, I don't know how it's going to show up when
1: it comes back. That's true, and you don't know if they spit on them or something. On a good day,
0: it's great. But
1: when it's off, it's off. It's off. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, and there's so many other places, I bet you now, that you can spend your money at right well not now because wait you guys can't go anywhere either right you're pretty much quarantined yeah we've been we've been in the apartment a lot and luckily
0: we live right next door to a a grocery store co-op so it's just you know we would just walk over there or even drive if you don't want to carry all the groceries Mm -hmm. we are getting like four weeks to
1: the tank at this point. Yeah, I haven't uh filled up I don't even remember the last time that I filled up my gas tank. Yeah, I heard it's pretty clear skies out there in Cali. It's stunning. It's so stunning. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Right. They're like, Oh, it's so beautiful and then they just everyone came here and then just ruined it. Like everything yeah. we do. We like, Oh, that's amazing and then we all just ruin it. Um, No, but, like, you can see from my balcony, you can see, like, really fine detail in the mountains, like, back in, like, um, Northridge, like, further than Northridge, Burbank, like, that whole mountain range that is on the north side of the San Fernando Valley. Um, And those of you listening, I'm in Studio City. So from my balcony, you can see... Like, just really fine details in the mountain ranges that maybe wow. you could kind of see after it rained. Because whenever it rains here, it clears out a lot of the smog. And especially if yeah. it's windy after it rains, it will. But now it's, like, on a daily thing. It's just, it's so beautiful. Wow. Yeah. So, that yeah. sounds like a painting of yours in the making. Yeah, I, I've actually painted it a little bit. I did a... You remember Carrie from Prohibition? Carrie Shire? Yeah, Carrie Shire. You know, yeah. You remember Carrie Shire. You went and visited her recently, didn't you? Like a year ago. Dance extraordinary. Yeah. Miss Ballerina to the Maximum. I've never met more of a ballerina than Carrie Shire. Wow. She's like prima ballerina. Like, cause, because she's still going. Like, I think she's around the same age as us, and she's still ballerina-ing, like... To this day, like, nonstop. She's a true ballerina. It's not for the faint heart. No. She didn't throw up the shoes like I did, you know, back in... I think I finally tossed my ballet shoes. I didn't toss them. I still have them, but you know what I mean. Like, just let it go, like, in the early 2000s. Around the time that I was, like, introduced to yoga, I was... I remember I was in Santa Monica, and I was about to go to ballet, and I was with a girlfriend having coffee, and then we were talking so much, I missed ballet class, and she was going to yoga just in Santa Monica as well just like in the other direction down the street and i ended up going to yoga yeah. with her instead and then that stopped my ballet and i just started going down the yoga path um wow from that day on and that was like actually that was like 2005 maybe the yoga path began yeah when did you guys start coming out to la and doing the whole santa monica promenade performing so rick and his brother 2001. oh really did, did we yeah. meet in 2001, yeah. like really, or in 2002? I was trying to remember. Like, I know I saw, I know I met you briefly when you performed with your past group 10 Foot 5 at the Minnesota State Fair. And I think it was like either I'd moved to L.A. and I came back or I was a, I had, it was the summer before I would moved to L.A. the first time in 99. And I. Yeah. And I met you through um, Nick Bowman, because Nick Bowman and I... So basically, for those of you listening, Rick grew up dancing. I grew up dancing. We danced at different dance studios. And then after high school, Rick carried on tap dancing, and he teamed up at one point with a a guy that I grew up dancing with. So that's how I met him. So I met you briefly at the state fair. You guys were performing 10 Foot 5 through Nick Bowman and then yeah. it wasn't until you came to the garden green in north hollywood it was the first apartment building i lived here in the early 2000s that i really met you and your brother and everyone else that has came in and out of your group but i was trying to remember what if you remembered what year that was yeah you know, i have i know i have like we were talking about this the other night too that i have videos and
3: things from that time and pictures from that time but i'd have to look to see when exactly what the
0: exact dates were,
1: yeah. I know that there were some
0: things that we did, like in Ohio. I want to say those must have been around
1: 2005. Yeah, I think I think that was 2005. What it was, was early that? on when I, uh, well, the first time that we came out there was we, we went out to Finland in the summer of 2001, and that and was we with. Dario born. was in your group then. Ricky Maylen no, was. No, that, that, was, that was before that. That was before them. Still the original ten five group. Oh. With Nick and
0: Ricky and Andy and
1: Brian and I. Did but you go to we, Finland twice? Instead of, paying, instead of paying, for ourselves for doing the gig, we were
0: we were paid for doing this gig, and we we spent it on buying an Oakland apartment for two months out in L.A.
1: Oh I'd yeah. Been, uh, off a of Barham. Yep.
0: I think it's Burbank. Is that Burbank over there?
1: It is. And I th- or whatever they call that area. Yeah, and I think it's called, like, it's called something else now, but it's the same compound. Yeah. yeah. It used to be the Oakwood. Yeah.
0: And we were there for two months, and we were like, hey, we have to figure out something. And so we started doing street performing out on the promenade because you could just go out there, buy a permit, and then set up all day pretty much and just perform and... Make some cash, and then 9/11
3: hit in like that September, and
0: mm-hmm. a lot of that work dried up because the tourists, like the airplanes, stopped flying, and you know, so everything got quiet. And so then it was like, okay, that was kind of our source of income, and some of us went back home. I, I tried to stay out there for a little while, but came back home not long after that, before before October hit, and then. We came back out to perform though after we had some bookings and I think I think I wanna say that one must have been two thousand five and by then we were calling ourselves Buckets and Tap shoots. Although we did have some stuff with Donnie and Jeremy that we
1: were doing out there. We had we had this in between phase too. Where it's Sedona we
0: transitioned from one show to the next. Yeah.
1: yeah. But when so, like, there was this in between
0: time where we started travelling around.
1: And I was meeting you guys yeah. in Sedona then, but when was the big I swear it was the Finland trip, and Dario was there. There were three of those. Okay. There three of them. Because there was the one where you stayed at Anja's apartment at the Garden Green. Yeah. And, that's, and they ended I, up having bedbugs there, Yeah. Or they thought it was fleas, Yikes. but it, did it end up being bedbugs? I don't know what it was. It, it was something.
0: It was fleas, I don't know, but I know that we woke up
1: and... Everyone was bit. Was getting
0: quite bitten up. Yeah. On his, on his way to sell... Uh, sex toys and the like <laughs> in, in in
1: downtown LA. <laughs> who who did that?
0: Uh, she had a roommate,
1: Gordy, that had uh, Gordy. Oh, wasn't that her boyfriend? By the bugs. Oh my God! I, I hope she. I, I thought weren't they together? I exactly. Am I crazy? Like I hope she's gonna listen to this. We're gonna. I'm gonna post this to her so she listens. <laughs> I think I'm not it sure. wasn't. I, I, don't remember exactly I think it was her boyfriend. I, oh, maybe for a minute. I don't know. Oh god, hey, I totally you know, forgot about him. She was kind of a you know
2: spiritual guide for him too. I think,
1: yeah. In some ways. Oh my gosh, I forgot about him. Isn't it weird <laughs> when you forget about people and like, you're like, oh yeah, that person. I forgot. That didn't about Jazzy in the pool. No one forgets about Jazzy Daryl. I mean, you might forget what he looks like, but you're never going to forget his name. <laughs> okay, so none of this has to do with Prince yet. No, like it doesn't. You some things that you wanted to discuss. Yeah, I do. You're right. Everyone's like, can we get right. to the good stuff? Okay. So here's a fun one we're going to start with. Um, okay. So basically, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to tell your story about it. And then I have, a, like, I base these questions on, like, I have a story too. So we'll just kind of, like, piggyback each other. But we're going to start with you and, like, going into, like, different stuff about it. Okay? So that's how it's going to be set up. So I want you to tell me is if you remember... The first time you ever heard a Prince song, and what was it? Or, like, what's the first time that a Prince song, like, really affected you? Because you might have heard it, like, you might have not even known you heard it, or it didn't really, like, hit you, but what was your first Prince song? I think the first one was I Would Die For You. The one that's played at the end of the film, Purple Rain. Okay.
3: And I had... I had babysitters that lived across the street when
0: I was growing up. And that must have been like first grade, second grade, somewhere in that range. And they would come over and they were, they would come over, I think to babysit us partially because we had MTV and that was cool back then. And so they would come over and watch MTV and, that would be one of the songs that I remember them singing. And there was, like, a they had, like, you know, on TikTok nowadays, they've got, like, gestures and things for the dance while they're singing the song. They'll, well, in the movie, they also did those types of things with that
3: song. And they're like, I would, and they're, like, pointing at their eyes. Uh-huh. Like, they've got, they've got that, those moves. Uh-huh. And I remember them doing those moves
0: vaguely as a kid. And the other one was Delirious. I remember it came out a little bit after that one, I think. And I just remember the sound of the baby at the very end. That <laughs> so I would look forward to that last moment of the song. And I was it was on the radio back in
1: the day. Wow, and that's really. It was around the time when like Thriller
0: was playing on MTV.
1: And okay. Those such things. Yeah, my um my first real one that because I'm a, I I believe like I heard like you know. Red Corvette and stuff on the radio, like, in my parents' car when we'd be driving somewhere, you know. But, like, the one that, like, stuck out to me was—this is so crazy. I was at a birthday party at a hotel. Like, it was this weird hotel. I just remember, like, it was dark. And I first ever heard Darling Nikki, right? And Wow, that's the first one. That was the first one that really stuck out. And he talked about— He talked about masturbating with a magazine in in the hotel lobby, masturbating with a magazine. Right. And that particular phrase stuck out. So I'm like fifth grade. So that would make me like 11, 12 ish. Right. That particular phrase stuck with me. Like I was like, it it triggered my brain that night because I'm like, what is that? Like, I know what masturbation is. And obviously I know what a hotel lobby is. But like how how do you get away with masturbating in a hotel lobby and you're just sitting there with a magazine? And, like, it always triggered my, like, for a long time. Um, I mean, it, now that you mention it,
0: there are a lot of possibilities. Like, she doesn't fill in all the blanks. No. Like, a magazine involved? Well, and in
3: actually, actually, actually. masturbating
0: with the magazine? Like, is that, like, what she's using as the toy?
3: Right. Or is she reading the magazine,
0: like, you would potentially expect to be happening.
1: Yeah. Who knows? And then yeah. well what just flashed in my brain for the first time ever since I said that is like so it could be even be just like a total like I don't even know what the word would be, but like um masturbating with the magazine, like it like was just within her mind. Like not even doing anything physical out mm. outwardly in, in the public, just whatever she's looking at in the magazine and like you know like i don't know like something within the mind sexual like i don't like know but reading some eye candy yeah exactly yeah like. and i've never uh-huh. but do you see how this like that phrasing has stuck with me for like it's something i've it just triggered it sat with me i const, like in and out of life and like all these years till look till right now i have like what a great line. What like, what like it, it made me think. It made me think at 11 or 12 years old, however old I was. And then, and then um, I just, I loved that song. It was just so, you know, uh, it's always been one of my favorites, but it's just... That it's, was such a groundbreaking song. Too, yeah. That's part of the reason why we have explicit
3: lyric content sticker warnings on CD. <laughs> right. It's because Chipper Gore discovered her daughter was listening to this song and they had no clue that when they bought Purple Rain for their kids,
0: that it had this kind of content. And <laughs> so then parents got in an uproar, or some of them did at least. And then later on, we have these
2: warning stickers now for explicit
1: content. Wow. I don't think I knew yeah, that. That, was that one, he was that the inception it. of, wow, of the. Uh... Yeah, and then people like, and there were like court hearings, and I remember
0: seeing footage of like Frank Zappa speaking about it. And, different people coming in to speak on the behalf of artists and their expression. And there's a whole, there's a lot going on about this. It was also around the time when two live crew was having censorship issues too, because it's first amendment rights that are at play. When you discuss the ability to record material with whatever kind of language you want, it doesn't mean it's tasteful, but it, still should be able to be recorded, I guess is the, the basic thought there. And then they were saying, okay, fine, it can be recorded, it can be distributed, but we're just going to put this warning label on it now so that people will
2: know
1: that's what it is. So in a sense, they won. They won the fight, but then there's just, they're just, then it's like, then they compromised. Then they had found their compromise or whatever, or like both, so like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um Okay, uh next question is... What is your you fight for the right to party? You, know? you do have to fight. You, I mean, we still have to <laughs> fight for our right to party, you know? I, I was fighting for my right to party everywhere I go. Do <laughs> um, you have another question? I have a next question. Next That's question great. is if you could narrow it down to one, what is your favorite Prince song? Wow. That's really
2: difficult.
1: I know. That's why I'm asking it.
0: there are are multiple eras too that are at play and also multiple versions of any given song that there's sometimes like live versions of a song that's just really great Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Mm. wow Uh, I don't have any that are popping out instantly but one of them that jumped out and I don't I can't say it's necessarily my favorite but Sexy
1: MF is, is a find if you ask me on the it's, top of uh, your list I mean I said that's got to be on there for
0: sure and then I like I like going back and listening to some of the stuff on the crystal ball album yeah and the Pope sticks out that was another good one that you' got some attitude on and also, uh, these are the days allowed that was a good one <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I always like the
0: symbol album, the Love symbol album. Yeah. Which has sexy MF on it, and my name is Prince, and it that album is in its entirety, I feel like plays really nicely from beginning to end as a sort of concept. Along with also the Gold Experience has some really great stuff on it, and in that era when Michael Bland was the drummer, and I also really like a lot of the stuff that had John Blackwell on drums toward the end like in the mid-2000s kind of era. Okay. There's a really good um, disc set that's called One Night Alone Live and it has, I think it's three CDs and two of them are from the live concert and then the third disc is from the After Party and it's got like George Clinton joining him and, uh, well, so many great different guest artists join him on that one
1: too. Fun. I don't even think I know about that Larry
0: Graham. Yeah, it's um one night alone, and the thing is now, if you search on like Apple Music and things, a lot of that stuff is popping up
1: now. Yeah, I noticed that yeah, the, over the, the years. Given
0: permission now or
1: whatever. Because mm-hmm. right when he died, there wasn't a lot on Apple Music specifically um, that you could even find. You know the the songs and albums outside of the super mainstream. You know what everyone knows. Um... Yeah, because it's all the
0: Warner Brothers stuff that that he didn't own so they that like Purple Rain and things like that they could put out because he didn't own all
1: that stuff yeah because it wasn't for like a while that then Crystal Ball showed up I feel like yeah maybe that would just showed up like a year ago or so um yeah I've noticed that those are on there now too yeah
0: those
3: were like rare finds no and the original Crystal Ball you had like a three disc set plus two
0: additional discs one was called Kama Sutra, which had, um, like, orchestrated, it was all instrumental, and it was,
1: I loved that one. It was like, it's so good to fall asleep listening to that one. Yeah, It was just, like,
0: all orchestral, it's like a sort of
1: journey. For but, For I'm years I was, for years I was trying to find the album Crystal Ball, because I had yeah. it on my old, my old MacBook that I, um, in, when I was back in Minneapolis, it was around, like, 2008 my hard drive crashed and I lost everything like all my music because when I moved back from Los Angeles to Minnesota I took all my CDs and put them on my computer and I didn't back them up to anything and just to let everyone know my dad's a computer engineer yes I know about hard drives I just was stupid and so I didn't (laughs) do that I even had a hard drive that I could have like backed it up to And and then I sold all my CDs before I left LA and then my hard drive crashed and I lost a lot of music like a lot of music like I, I'm still hurt by this um, loss because I had some rare stuff as well on there um, and I anytime I looked uh, like probably five six seven years ago I'd look for a Crystal Ball and it's like you could buy it on Amazon but it was like two hundred dollars or something ridiculous like you just couldn't really find that album anywhere so I was really excited when it got released to Apple If you music. do find it I mean make
0: sure you have The five disc one Like you've got The three disc Crystal ball
2: Then you have the Kama Sutra one And then there's an acoustic one Where he's just I think it's called The Truth
3: mm-hmm. I think that's Beto Women's
0: And it's just him With an acoustic guitar
1: Which I always time. love Yeah Oh. Uh, him with an acoustic Is like set. uh Don't pay 200 bucks Unless you're getting the. No set, I'm not gonna pay two, I'm not gonna pay 200 dollars Maybe someday But no so, I mean no Cause like alone, Yeah
3: Going
0: for like two, three hundred dollars too, and I have
1: that one, which I wouldn't sell that anyway. But right. I, have, I I ripped that one onto the computer though, so I have the music backed up too. And then he ripped it on the computer, and then he ripped it on a hard drive, and then he put it somewhere in a cloud, just to <laughs> like that's I my new thing. Like, like put it on here, put it on there, and then put it somewhere over there. But I like I've been doing
0: that though. I bought a four terabyte hard drive, and I've been taking all my other hard drives and putting. Content like old dance videos and old music stuff, and just trying to compile it all by year,
2: Mm -hmm. and then kind of cataloging it. So later on,
3: if I ever do need to go back and find things, I'll be able to do it quickly, do it easily. Yeah, like concerts at First
0: Avenue. I've got like we did three different main like main room shows, and Craig Rice came and filmed one of them, and I think it's a multi-camera shoot that I still haven't even watched the actual original footage to ever because it's on.
1: Mini DV or whatever it is. Oh wow! A, a type of tape I don't have a player for yet. Oh, I have a um. I think I have the like where you put the mini tape into a bigger VHS yeah. tape. Oh. I have one of those converter tapes. I don't know if that would work in this case because DV oh, became digital video. Oh and yeah, no, this was well, like actual. It was, on a tape, it oh. was recording like ones and zeros, like digital style. Yeah, I don't. Rather can... than
0: like old school video players
1: it would be like a magnetic sort of whatever right I bet you could find one on ebay have you looked I, no I haven't found I mean I haven't
0: looked yet and I think the thing is like if you have an old mini DV camera that would also oftentimes work for people so that you
1: could transfer things over onto the computer oh I'm sure there's but any... I do have the one for, for like VHS tapes and all that I've been yeah. doing that lately I know you need to do that one from us from back in the day that I have I, I think it's going to be hysterical yeah. to watch And in that, I have my whole Prince, like, section of
0: stuff, which is the person who I'd have the most music of, any individual artist.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, he has, you know, music for days, really. We haven't even scratched the surface. I have his very last
0: concert. Um, There's a guy named Rich Cranmore, if you're not friends with already.
3: He goes by Irresistible Rich. He's on Facebook, Mm -hmm. and he posts a
0: lot of stuff, and he was, like, a super fan. And he's one of those people that, like, knows details
1: about this concert on this date, you know, like, on this year. <laughs> is and he Is he a tour guide he's at got, like, Paisley Park? He's got, the. I don't, uh, no, I believe he, he lives in one of the Dakotas, I think. Okay. South but, um, he's
2: got such a great collection, and he posts things, and he's been archiving stuff of his for a long time. Oh. And his, I mean, he posted, like, Prince's last
1: concert, the piano and microphone concert that was... In Atlanta. Atlanta, that was yeah. the, his very
3: last show when he played
1: Purple Rain the last time. Wow. Yeah. See, I would have to say, like, I think, because I was thinking of favorite songs and, like, I was going through, like, you know, same thing, like, different times, different versions, different, you know, discoveries, different moments. But I think when all said and done, if I come back to the basics, I think my ultimate favorite Prince song is Purple Rain. Not even to be, like, so, like, cliche, but, like, Every time I hear it, no matter what, no, it, it just, it. I don't know. It does something to my heart. But like, as like a, a a close contender, I would have to say. Now I'm completely blanking on the song. What is the title of the song? The snowing in April one. Why can't I think it? Like holy crap! It just left my mind. Sometimes it snows in April. Sometimes it snows in April. Thank you. Duh. Yeah. Um, I I just I love I love that song. I love oh, that song great so album. much. Yeah, I really do. But I have to say, coming back at, like, any time Purple Rain, it just, you know, there's there's something to it. There's something to that song. Maybe because it's, like, so, you know, so Minnesota. The thing is, it's, it's been played so many times. Like, when, when Bohemian Rhapsody was created, I feel like that was very important to Freddie, obviously.
0: Mm-hmm. And it was, I feel like it's a similar thing. It's like, we've heard the song so many times, and people play it where... It still is important, and it still is definitely,
3: yeah, I mean, it's it's like his theme song, for sure. Yeah. I do think it's, like, the one song that everybody associates with Prince, obviously, and the, the thing is,
1: though, like, a lot of people haven't gone much past that, and they've, they've got the Purple Rain album, and that's about as far as they went. But, right, exactly. It, but, like, there was so much more that happened after that. that you know, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that that's a good segue into my next question is, is what is your favorite album? Wow. I mean, I, I really do dig the, uh,
0: the whole set of that One Night Alone. And I, I think he, he got to this place where he was just so awesome, live. And that band was so well dialed in. It had Maceo Parker in the band. It had Renan Neto on keys. Sheila E was oftentimes playing percussion on the stuff. John Blackwell on drums, Ronda on bass. Mm-hmm. That was such a great setup and such a funky band. And I also always loved the Love Symbol album. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that was kind of always my default, like, that one and the Gold Experience were two really good ones.
1: Mine is The Vault.
0: Yeah, that was a good one, too.
1: I love that album. And I just recently... <laughs> I revisited it like last year, and I'm just like old friends for sale. Like, oh, I love that song. Like, I that's a that's a you know, I don't know. There's I just I really can listen to the entire Vault album from beginning to end yeah. over and over and over again. And I, I literally I think I did that for like a little bit where I just had it playing in my car. Like any time I got in my car, and it would just play and then stop, and then it would pick up the next time. And I don't even know how many times I listen to that entire album, but it's such a great album. It's on Apple Music now, too. Yeah, I can listen to it in, in its entirety, you know? it's not There's not a song where I'm like, I don't know, I don't like that one. And you, like, skipped to the next? There was, there was a, yeah, that's a great one. There was a lot of, like,
0: road trips that we did in the night or in the, in the 2000s
3: basically mm-hmm.
0: and we were going to perform at places and we'd throw a cd on and then that one would end and we'd put on another one and just keep it going all night as we were driving across the country and i remember when we were out in california in 2001 purple rain was being like was on in brian's explorer as we drove out to the promenade we were listening to purple rain
1: a lot out there that was the that was the that year's theme was purple rain I mean, basically, that's that's how, yeah, that's how you you and Andy and your group introduced me to the deeper albums of Prince. I mean, I'll just call it that because, like, so not mainstream stuff, was during those times when we would just be sitting around. You guys would be playing music or um, we'd all just be talking and then, like, Prince would be scoring the background or we would just get stoned and just sit there and listen to album after album of different prints, you know? And that's when I, it was because of you guys in that time era of the 2000s. Um, it's hard for me to get
0: sick of it. Like, it's,
1: yeah. just, there's
0: some people that just really, I
1: don't know. Irritates them. You can listen
0: to and you're done, but
1: that one I can yeah. just keep
0: going. And there's such a wealth of, different vibes and feels over the course of his entire catalog that you can jump to something else and it's going to give you a whole different experience
1: Mm Mm-hmm. that's what I mean he just he was such a musician that just like just kept evolving you know and allowing himself to evolve and I think that's like commendable as an artist to just keep going and keep evolving and growing and just going with whatever it's like he was in the flow of his own work, you know, where I feel like some musicians, they find a style and they stick to it and that's their brand and that's their stamp. And they, as an as an artist, they, they don't explore out of that or maybe in their contracts, they can't really explore out of that. But he, I just feel like he kind of went, like his music is like, it's like when I finally figured out like how jazz works, I was... Uh, my friend took me to LACMA on a Friday nights. So I don't know if they still do it, but, like, these old jazz musicians at LACMA, like, outside, they would do a free concert. And I went—and this is when I really understood jazz. So, like, I sat down and just old musicians, and they started playing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And then they went off on this crazy journey, and you're just with them, and you're going far, 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 far away. And you're like, okay, this is so cool, like, you know, whatever— and then I don't even know how much time passed. Like, you know, you went into a wormhole and you went somewhere else and you came back. And then all of a sudden they ended this like, you know, however long, like maybe it was an hour or something journey with somewhere over the rainbow. I don't know why this is just coming up with, for me with Prince's music. But I feel like if you follow his albums, he just like, you know, he just keeps going and takes you on a journey. And you might go over here and over here and down over there and around over there. And then, you know what I mean? It's just like this this beautiful journey of music where you just you go into different places and different worlds and time lapses and then you know you come back to you know what he left us with was the uh, piano and a microphone yeah that's what the masters do is they take you on a journey like that yeah it's really beautiful sometimes it seems
0: so simple too some of the the music seems so simple and sometimes like some of it's like the song Kiss didn't even really have much of a bass line in it
3: even
1: Mm -hmm. It's, like, one of the greatest pop hits of all time. It's, like, what he did with it and, like, how carefully placed everything was. Yeah. Like, very methodical, very deeply... The vibe. Yeah. It's just so... It's just really amazing. Um, Question. So I want to talk to you in a minute about your experience at Paisley Park, okay? But aside from that... Did you ever see him in concert anywhere else? The first time
0: we came back here and and drummed on the streets in or in Minnesota was at a prince concert. We had played out in on the promenade in 2001 mm-hmm. and we were out there for like four months or whatever and we did some street performance then and then we had obviously performed in theaters and things with all sorts of percussion over the years. But then the first time we took it to the street here in Minnesota, and tried to actually set up and do some busking, was at a Prince concert in 2003, outside of the Excel Center in St. Paul. And that was, yeah, I mean, that was like, we we did sneak in toward the end and got to see like a glimpse of the show. Like, the thing is if you're, sometimes if you're outside of a place, and you just see your window of opportunity, and you walk in as though you were just outside having a cigarette. But you just kind of walk in, <laughs> and it's towards the end of a concert. Mm-hmm. You might be able to catch the tail end. And that's also how I got to see Paul McCartney once. He's like up there singing "Hey Jude," and he has the like
2: the candles all lit around him and stuff. And he's kind of doing the fun, the end of the show.
3: Wow. Or when I get to go
0: see Michael Bublé or Andy Renan, got to see Michael Bublé too. And and you got to see the part where Michael Bublé pulls his in ear monitors out, and they turn off all the microphones and stuff on stage, and he just sang to the audience without any amplification for a minute.
3: Uh-huh.
0: And he said it was just amazing.
3: <laughs> like, he, wow. like The power of that guy's voice yeah. in the stadium was no was nothing recording him, and all of a sudden he just kind of belted something out. So like
0: that's also we get to see Bob Dylan in that way, and get to see Prince that way. Just like this tail end
1: moment, it was mm-hmm. like we got to go see the whole show. Was that his Musicology tour, or was that before then? That you, if you remember. Yeah, I believe that was. I think that was Musicology at the Excel. Yep. Okay, so that's funny because my one and only time seeing him perform was at the Staples Center in downtown Los Angeles. Was his Musicology tour? It was. Oh my God, I was like crying. I that concert concert because it was broadcast in movie theaters all around the country. Oh.
0: And so we went to, in uh, Brooklyn Center, that, uh-huh. that movie theater that's now like a top golf place, but used to be that movie theater over there in Brooklyn Center? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And that's where we watched it. I believe it was at that place. Shalart Parkway or
3: one of those ones. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And we... We saw, we saw the Prince concert
1: broadcast, and it was the one that was from the Staples Center, so that it might have ah, been the same night you were Could at have it. been the same night that I was there. Yeah, and I just remember there was like two things that have always stuck out in that night from that concert, and one, he had this um, saxophone player that was playing and hit a note and played the note for like, I don't know, five, ten minutes doing the circular breathing. And was it Candy Dolfer? Was it a woman? No, it was a man. Okay. And, I don't think that was Maceo Parker that
0: would have done that one. He wasn't an older dude, right? He was like...
1: Uh, I remember
0: there was another guy, and I can't remember
1: that guy's name, unfortunately. But, I, I would had, Google it, it up. but we're using my phone yeah. and my computer's recording, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember there was another guy, though, that... that yeah. Kept going. He was, like, doing circular breathing. Uh-huh. And it was held, the one note it was held for so long, and I remember this blue light was shining on him, and just... Ah! Tears were like just running down my face. I was like, oh my gosh. And then Prince came out. He came back out and he did the rest of the song, uh, the rest of the concert acoustic. And I'm a sucker for acoustic guitar. Like that is my, that is my interest instrument that makes my heart sing. Like you play an acoustic and I'm like, I'm so butter. And he came out and sang acoustic, and it, like, I was just, like, from that moment on, from that note being held to the rest of the concert, like, I was just bawling my eyes out. I was like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like, it was so amazing. Man, yeah, that's life-changing stuff. Yeah, so then I want you to tell me your stories about you and Andy at Paisley Park and, and those experiences of you guys jumping on stage and tap dancing? Well, this, this
0: would have been after that musicology show, actually. Uh-huh. But it would have been the winter. So I think that musicology show might have been in August of that year. That mm-hmm. was here at the time. And then, so then that winter, I want to say it was either in late, December it might have been after the holiday time I'm not sure I can't remember exactly when it was it might have been January but it was like winter time and it was a Monday night and it was very snowy that's what I do remember and there was a message posted on Prince's website at the time I think Andy was the one that had the official membership to the NPG music club which okay. was like you, you paid a yearly membership fee and then you would receive messages. You would sometimes receive, like, discs in the mail. Oh.
3: Like, it was a fan club. And uh-huh.
0: he, he <laughs> it was cool. And there was a message one night on the board that said, come on down if you're not too sleepy tonight. And then we got there, and we got in for free, Paisley Park, and it was, there were maybe 50 people in the room at the time. Okay. As far as, like, there to watch. Uh-huh. And we got in... Nobody really had cell phones and things at the time, and it was, like, 2003. I mean, maybe we did have them, but nobody was, like... We weren't consumed by them in the same way because the
1: screens weren't that cool. I don't think and we could video anything or bare. We could, like, barely take a picture then in 2003. And even so, I don't think we had anything to take a
2: picture with. Yeah, it wasn't on our
1: phone. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if pictures were, yeah, were around yet. We definitely had phones because when I moved out... The both both of the times, like in two thousand, I mean in nineteen ninety nine, and then when I came back to LA in two thousand, um, I definitely had a cell phone. Um, texting wasn't around yet, and I don't know if yeah, like crappy fine. pictures were being able to take yet on a flip phone, yeah or not. I don't remember. But we definitely but did couldn't take video phone until two thousand thirteen. So like this was like probably ten years before
3: I even got graduated to an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my
0: third iPhone, I think now.
3: Wow. Anyway, anyway we're keeping track. Yeah. But we, we saw this post and we went there to go check it out and
0: it was the band that was on the Rainbow Children album and it was they were like preparing for shows, I believe, for some of the Rainbow Children stuff. And it had you the musicology tour also had John Blackwell on drums. Okay. And He's the drummer that's on the Rainbow Children album. Rest in peace. He, he passed away a couple of years ago from a, a brain tumor, I believe it was. He was on tour and had to go get it checked out. He, I believe he was in Japan or something and like discovered that he had this brain tumor. One of the greatest drummers ever, I, I would say. I mean, he was so good. Died way too young, but he played for like Justin Timberlake on his tours. and But he was playing there that night, and... Rhonda on bass and Renato on keys and Maceo Parker was playing. And it was a free concert with these five amazing musicians
3: oh. at Paisley Park. Mm-hmm.
0: And Andy and me and Brian Carroll, another tap dancer, were all there. And there was a time where Prince was playing up on stage and then he came and walked back by the soundboard and he was going... He was making some adjustments on the board, mm-hmm. tweaking some knobs, and he was wearing an '84 jersey, which was Randy Moss's number. And it was a Vikings jersey, mm-hmm. and he had he had this white hat with this fluffy border around it, and he had some white mittens on too that he was wearing until he started playing his guitar, and then he pulled his mittens off and tossed them over stage stage left, to the lady that was sitting there. I think it was his wife at the time. and She was, like, smelling them and really into the
2: mints. <laughs> anyway, so that was going on. prince went back to go tweak some knobs on the soundboard.
0: And I was going to walk up behind the soundboard, and then the guy kind of stepped out in between us, and it was one of his bodyguards who he was, like, wondering what the hell I was doing. <laughs> and I was like, I had my tap shoes with me, and I'm like, hey, I've got my shoes with a tap dancer, I'd like to see if he'd like to jam, I, w- I wanted to ask if he'd be down, he's like, I'll ask him for you, and then he goes over there, asks him, and then Prince walks over, and looks up at me, and he's kind of like, yeah, what do you want, and I'm like, hey, I've got my tap shoes, and I'm wondering if we could jam, and he was down, he said, he wasn't like enthusiastically, like, oh, yeah, oh, sweet yeah, but it was like, you know, okay,
3: yeah. And I was like, well, I noticed
0: that the, the stage up there is made out of car or it has carpet all over. it, So, is, is there is there a spot where it might be a hard surface? Because like all the all the floor in there was carpet, like where the audience was and on stage, which is probably ideal for sound in that bigger space at Paisley Park. It wasn't kind of like the bigger
1: sound stage. Oh, party so it was okay. It wasn't the one that looks like First Avenue. The smaller stage. Um yeah. It was in yeah, the grand. Was, it was smaller, but it was still like a big room. Yeah, it's still a big room because like there's the grand, like more like I want to say like arena feeling space, and then there's next to that there's like a door that connects it's more it a is club. yeah, it's like more of a club that's like kind of modeled after First Avenue. That's that was more like what we were in. Or, they remember? said like a hundred and I, kind of, I think it's like a hundred. fine line, even a little bit. Yeah, I think they said like a hundred and fifty. 125 to 150 people can be can go into that one which the other one can hold like 3,000 or 5,000 or something crazy yeah so the smaller one okay yeah my dad's band the white sidewalk
0: recorded in the larger one when we were kids and I got to go there for that as well so I get to see like a live recording of my dad's like 50s and 60s cover band
3: oh my gosh amazing I've
0: been in like 91 I want to say or something like that yeah and they, they recorded an album called Live at the Park, which I think, personally,
3: I think it was their best album. It sounded off remote of course, recording. It captured the energy of their band. It didn't
0: sound like stuffy in studio. It was like, it had their personality
1: on it. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, he has, like, anyway. <laughs> state-of-the-art equipment. <laughs> album, but, like, I mean, One thing I remember back then, and I've confirmed it since, he had a cat named Paisley, and I remember meeting that cat and petting his cat. <laughs>
0: and when we were there... Andy peered into one of the rooms, like looked through a, a window that was on the door and he saw Prince in there playing on
1: his yellow guitar. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So there was that. Andy also would like
0: this here's another side note. We would we would sometimes just go driving out past Paisley Park just to kinda I don't know. I don't know if it was it wasn't really to keep an eye on the place, but it was just kind of like to kinda like, you know, raise a fist and go, Yeah, there you are
3: Yeah. <laughs> One of those
0: kind of things are, like, uh, out of respect. Yeah. We'd sometimes just take a drive and just drive
2: past Paisley,
1: and we'd say, like, hold your hand over your heart. <laughs> <laughs> That's so was, cute. Things like this. Are you and guys like, still? I hope Andy, you guys are still doing that. If you're not, you need to go do it next week and just go for a drive and show, oh yeah. give some respect. <laughs> yeah. Shout out. Yeah. Andy, Andy walked up there one night,
0: though. He, he told me that he... Nobody, nothing was really going on, and so Andy went over there, pulled up, and I think he was outside walking. Andy Andy got out
3: of his car and was going to walk up to the door over by, like, where you would go into the studio. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he was even walking up to the front door, like, where the main entrance was, but I think he was going kind of off to the right where there was
0: that other kind of side door area. Mm -hmm. But it was in the parking lot part of Paisley, and... He was walking up to there, but then he saw some lights flicker behind him, and it was a yellow Prowler, one of those
3: cars that, was it the Dodge Prowler? Yeah. Whatever it was. And I think I think that's what kind of car he said
2: it was, and, and it was Prince sitting in the car flickering his lights at him. <laughs>
0: he's like, can I help you? <laughs> he's like, oh, I was just trying to see if there's
1: a jam out here tonight. <laughs> he's like, no, there's no jam. <laughs> he's like, there's no jam, Stalker. Go back and home. He's like, oh, okay. A weird little
3: exchange that happened and I think it was just the two of them at that moment. Yeah.
0: It's always just this weird moment that happened between Andy and Prince and he could tell the story way better than me,
1: but that's kind of like the the gist of it. That's funny. So So anyway in there the one night I asked him if we could tap and I was like I, I'm not sure if there's a
3: hard surface. Is there a spot that would be good? It's like, how about up on that speaker? I'm okay. Like, okay. And it did have a hard wooden surface
0: on the speaker, and there was he, he. went back up on stage and was playing with the band, and he was there to do his gig. He's not there to like screw around with me, but whatever. Like, so he's he's up there playing. There was one point where he was on the piano. He started playing, and he he looked out toward the audience. And then he went back to playing on the piano. And in hindsight, I'm like, was it? Was that the signal? Was it? I'm not sure. I can't be positive if it was. And I was in quite a predicament because it was... And some songs had happened since then, some jams, whatever. Mm -hmm. He even played like a sort of rockabilly jam on his like hollow body guitar for a while. And went like country style for a little bit. Doing some chicken picking. And then... He's on the piano, kind of looks out, like you might do if you're hanging out at your place and everyone's hanging out watching you.
3: Yeah. But
0: it could have, it could have potentially been the signal, like, you know, get up, to, let's hear some tap. Yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't clear enough. So I didn't just, I had my shoes on because when we were back by the board, when, when you said, how about up on that speaker? I was like, sure, sounds good. And he goes, get your shoes on. <laughs> I forgot that part. Cause that,
2: that's the best quote of the whole thing Like, get your shoes on. Yeah. <laughs> and and so I had them on. I was ready to go. I was like listening to them
0: perform. My, my tap shoes on, I'm warming them up. There's a carpet under me so I'm, no one can hear it. It's like a practice pad. I'm grooving along, but really I'm kind of getting ready so when the moment hit, and I wasn't like, if, because it was not so certain, I wasn't going to jump up on the speaker. Right. I mean, he had his bodyguards and everything. I was like, who's this random
1: dude just hopping up on the speaker and tap dancing This random white dude. So there's, yeah. There's
0: like, I'm like 6'4". I'm up there on his speaker that's already like <laughs> shoulder level at least for me. So yeah. like a, how am I going to get up there? But I, you know, by the time I did get up there, hopefully I got up there cleanly. So it's going to look kind of janky as I'm trying to mount his speaker. But, so then, that, that moment, you know, like whatever song he was playing, that ended and he's all like, thank you, good night. And like the rest of the band, I think maybe kept playing for a little bit as he left. And then they ended the song. And then we never saw him again. A DJ started playing music, though. And it was like after party kind of trance remix songs. And who knows? It could have been Dudley D for all I know. Like he was just DJ. And I know that around that time
3: they had the Aladdin in Vegas concert that I have the DVD of. And oh, yeah. Dudley D is the DJ on
0: that one as well
3: who also was the DJ
0: for the New Congress, as you remember.
3: Oh, yeah. And, and so
0: that he, so I'm not sure what was going on, but there were these platforms that were like these cylindrical purple platforms, and he had like loungy couch kind of things on them, mm-hmm. and they were hard surfaces, and they had different levels, and Andy and Brian and I all had our tap shoes in there. So we we put them on, and we were grooving to the, to the Prince Remake song in uh, on the on these different purple platforms and people
3: were grooving with it they're like oh yeah because it always catches people by surprise yeah and we had some fun the night ended the ugly
0: lights of prince likes to calm they came back up and it was time to go home and then that was that for that first night and then it might have been two weeks later there was another one of those sort of messages posted online Andy kept checking in there was another one that said come on come down tonight, whatever, I don't know how it, that it said at that time, but it was another Monday night. There were a little bit more people in there. It cost us $7 each to get in this time. Mm-hmm. It was the same lineup. It was still Maceo Parker on sax. Who was like James Brown's sax player. Like, Maceo! Like, he's, the, he's the dude, man, as far as Alto Sax is concerned. Just to be able to see him for $7 would be enough, let alone
3: Prince and John Blackwell and all these other people. Mm-hmm. And so they played another,
2: they played their whole set. I, I brought my shoes
0: with me, I was ready for it. And there was a point where I, I pointed at my shoes and Prince was playing the song on his keyboard again. And I pointed at the shoes, I was like, hey, I get, I brought my shoes, can I get up on the speaker? And then he turns to me and looks right at me and goes, I don't have insurance for that. And then he turned back to playing whatever song
1: he was playing and that was that. Oh my God, stop. Oh my God, that's amazing. He's like, honey, you had your chance. You missed it. You missed the boat last time. And also, I feel like we might have scuffed up his purple platforms during uh, time yeah. with our shoes. So he's a little we were, pissed. Like, grooving with the DJ club music, but either way, it never ended up being a situation where we got to actually jam with crap. Jam, with jam, him, yeah, a whole
0: nother thing. You know how they say too? Like sometimes these things are better as your imagination and sometimes when you meet your heroes it's not going to be the exchange that you would that
3: think you were going to be yeah and, and I, I feel like it's important to go into situations like that with a completely open mind mm-hmm. and I'm really glad
1: it happened like this because it makes for a great story still oh I, absolutely it would have made a great story if I got up
0: but I I had him tell me put your shoes on and I had him tell me I don't have insurance for that <laughs> For me, I love that. I think that was great. She doesn't have insurance for me to come in and tap dance, which means, like, I, I kind of take that as, to some extent, there's a little bit of a badge of honor. To the other extent, I was a little bit of an—I mean, maybe we were assholes for tap dancing on the guys' platforms. A coat of paint would have definitely just cleaned all that
3: up.
1: Yeah. You know, like, we were permanently there to damage anything. It was out of respect. That is hysterical, though. I love that. It is almost better to have that follow-up, you know, like this big build-up. You don't get on the you don't get on the speaker, you know. You guys do your thing, what you do, because you guys tap dance all over the world. You you're known for jumping up on stages and just getting it done, like. And then. That also, that year, yeah, two thousand three, we were down in Scottsdale, Arizona.
0: There's a band called the Blind Boys of Alabama, and they were they were like a gospel singing group grammy award-winning group and they were the headliners of this festival we were performing at and that festival had andy and myself and brian caroff were dancing in it and we had alex rossi on guitar shane on bass and peter j Ellis on drums and tony brash on keyboards and that night after one of our gigs the blind boys show we went to watch it and they had a little break in the middle of it, and Andy and I mentioned it to one of the guys. Like we were like, "Hey, we're tap dancers. We'd like to jam with you guys." And I mean, they were you know, blind guys, and they're older dudes. They're backstage, and the guy was maybe not. I don't know if he fully understood what we were talking about or what, but he was like, "Yeah, all right, sounds good." And so then, in the middle of one of their songs, which is the song that I saw them singing on, on TV once, they did a version of Amazing Grace, and then. This, they went into that one and I was like, Oh, here we go So they went over and grabbed a table and kicked the legs down on the on one of those like folding table banquet tables. Mm-hmm. Kicked the legs down so it was like laying flat on the ground. You that jumped up and tapped on that of my floor and it was tapping with the blind boys of Alabama during their concert We also did it, uh, Maceo Parker was playing saxophone. He was doing a show at the Dakota in Minneapolis.
1: I think I was there with you that night. (laughs) Yeah, I think Prince was at that one, too. He was up in the balcony. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, because there was definitely, I was with you somewhere, and I think it was at the Dakota, and you guys just, like, jumped on stage with somebody, like, I think it was that night. Yeah. Yeah. And we we ended up um, trading back and forth. A little bit and
0: then Andy and I called the shim sham so then we like had a nice clean ending to it <laughs> and then Mason said something like give it up for Minneapolis
1: River Dance." <laughs> I remember that <laughs> I was there with you I totally 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 remember that that's phenomenal somebody had footage of that I don't I don't know if it was maybe our drummer CJ that we used to work with or yeah. what but somebody got some footage of
0: that for a brief moment I know that exists somewhere it's probably on that
1: hard drive that crashed. <laughs> it's probably it probably is because that would have been that time that I would have taken video yeah. or photos of stuff, and then I l- and because that, that was in that was definitely in the beginning time that I moved back to Minneapolis, and like I said, I lost some, I lost a little bit of time during that time of of my hard drive crashing and me losing photos, video. Yeah, yeah it was probably me because I was there and I was in the audience, and I remember him saying that. So and I would have documented that because I do have on my hard drive some like I have documents of you guys like documented you guys like doing this show here that show there like I was just looking the other day and like I have pictures from here pictures from there of like it was like I was kind of like your, your roadie for a while like your little your little band-aid <laughs> your roadie that did not want to carry a damn I didn't ring. do anything that's why, was, that's why I just changed it to your band-aid because I'm like wait what did I do I didn't do anything I was just around like I was just around yeah. hanging out like I just was you know Sarah Just being me, like, texting somebody. I don't know. Yeah, or just, I don't know, you know, being an actress, but not. Yeah. So the only time that I ever saw Prince, like, in real life, like, not performing, but just, like, saw him somewhere, um, was I feel like it was sometime in, like, 2005 or 2006. And I went to, so at the Roosevelt Hotel in Hollywood, there's a club called Teddy's. And, um, Uh Prince loved hanging out at Teddy's in the Roosevelt Hotel. And also one year he was having an Oscar party there and I was supposed to work it. And I'm not going to go into that story because it's a really long story of why I didn't get. Well, it's kind of funny. I might as well tell it. So I was working for this place called Cinespace that they showed movies while people ate dinner. And then it also turned into a club at different times. So I like I was like a server during movies, but then I would also like do bottle service. There's a big DJ now that was used to be the Tuesday night house DJ. Oh, he's an Asian guy and he's like a huge DJ and it's yeah, and it's so funny for me to see him oh, yeah. be so blown up because yeah. he was just like this little in-house DJ back then. Like no one, like he, like the Asian community knew him, and it would be packed with like his community. But outside of that, like I don't think anyone really knew who he was, you know. So it's well, funny, it's like. Fun it, sir, well, yeah, he comes. His dad's like riches. Book, but like, but then he, I don't think his family, like, completely believed
0: in that lifestyle that he was doing, and so he, like, kind of, like, well, I'm a musician, I'm gonna go off and do my thing,
1: and, Yeah, and blew up, and, like, he blew like, up, festivals. yeah, like, but this was before he was, like, he was, like, slightly known, na- he was, like, L.A. known, L.A., I would say, like, at the time, he was, like, L.A., he, like... You know, he got to be the resident DJ because he brought in like a big crowd, in a sense. You know, but like I just don't remember like early EDM days too,
0: as far as like as EDM was kind of not that it hasn't always been in this like progression. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's
0: definitely gone from like when it got into that. There's a certain sound. There's that certain like festival vibe with that big EDM.
1: Right. Yeah. This was like seems
0: like that was right around the time that that would have been brewing. It hadn't you know, completely exploded yet, but it
1: was getting there. Definitely. And I feel like this was 05, 06, somewhere around there. But anyway, so Prince was having his Oscar party at the Roosevelt, and... Cinespace was doing like doing some food for it or something I don't remember and they were having us go over there to be servers and it's so funny so like I decided to wear they wanted us to wear all black right and I decided to wear this sweater dress which I don't even think it was a sweater dress I think it was a shirt but I was I was very much known for taking shirts long shirts and just making them be dresses and it had a very low cut V I, like, taped the sides of the V, like, around my boobs so it didn't, like, whatever, like, come open, right? So I didn't wear a shirt under it. And I just like take, a little double stick tape, kind of yeah. the old supermodel trick. Yeah, and then instead of wearing black tights, I decided because it was Prince and he is funky that I was going to wear these black and white like stripes that went to the sa like they went um, horizontal, not vertical, so they looked very like kind oh. of like what's that like weird clown? Not I don't want to say clown, but it's like there's that certain style. I don't know. They're black and white stripes, and this is I'm going to get a little graphic, so. I was on my period, but I wasn't wearing any underwear. So, like, I just had a stamp on it. <laughs> And the lady, like, one of his, like, one of the ladies was, like, when I showed up to work to be, like, this waitress. I'm, so I'm wearing this long sweater dressy thing, super V-neck. Like, the V went all the way, like, down past my belly button, right? I'm not wearing any underwear, and I'm just wearing these tights. And she's like, ah, uh, I just, like, you can't wear those tights. Like, can you take them off? And I was like, well, I could. But the problem is, is that I'm not wearing any underwear. I'm on my period. And if I, like, bend over a certain way, like, the V part down by my belly button is going to come down. Like, you're going to be able to see down my pant, like, down that part. And you're going to be able to see everything. And you're just, you're going to be able to see everything, right? And she's like, well, can you go home and, like, change? And, and then I don't think I had, like, a solid pair of black... Tights. Then that's probably why I wore the funky ones to be funky, and I don't think I had anything else. And this is now like ten o'clock at night or eleven o'clock at night, so it's like late. So I can't even go anywhere to like figure it out because the party was starting late. That's what I remember. It was like not starting till ten o'clock because you know he doesn't normally play till like four o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. So it was like this late after party thing, and we were like, yeah, we were like doing the food for it, and so I just like went home, and I I missed out on like I think they were gonna pay me like one hundred and fifty dollars. And I was so mad. I'm like, someday if I ever meet Prince, I'm going to yell at him that he owes me $150 because I couldn't work his gig because I was wearing I am Prince, I am funky tights. And the handler lady wouldn't let me and sent me home. I was so mad, right? So then... you said I am Prince, I am funky tights on them? No, that's what I I called them. (laughs) That was my... Uh, I made that up. So then this was like maybe like a year or two later... I was at Teddy's at the club, you know, and it was like a normal club night. And I was friends with the promoters that ran it. So um, I I don't remember who I was with, but I was just hanging out. And we're like on the dance floor and we're dancing. And all of a sudden somebody says, they're like, I don't get why they would play Prince songs if he's here. And this is like, I've been in Hollywood now since on and off since the year 2000. I've been around so many celebrities. I was very dialed into the Hollywood scene in my early two thousand. I was like, I've just I've been friends with people. I've been around people like I don't get starstruck. I don't care. I never have, even when I first got here. And this is my one Hollywood fangirl moment. Okay, so they're like, I'm like, what? Prince is here where and they're like he's sitting over here in this one like area right and I totally did the Hollywood like girl where like it's not that I wanted him to find me attractive or like I cared about that I just wanted to go do like the Hollywood walk by where you like go and like you stand up all tall and like you're in your heels and then you like go and slowly like walk a certain way like yeah. Like, I hope you can make a video of this walk <laughs> and, and post the Hollywood walk. The Hollywood walk. It. I don't know if people still do it, but they did it back in my clubbing oh, they days, do it. you know? They, they do it. And you, you walk a certain way and you like look over, but then you kinda act like you're not looking, but you're looking, but you're trying to get noticed, oh, yeah. but you're not trying to get noticed. And I think I did it like, you know, and like You basically want press you're like hey 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 come over here come over here yeah wait you're from Minnesota exactly what? like let's have a real conversation yeah. but I need to do the oh, Hollywood like. walk a little bit oh, to get like noticed. Oh you like my music? Ah, <laughs> what else do you like? Do you like yeah. vegetarian food? Do you like pancakes? What else do you like? <laughs> yeah, so I did my Hollywood walk. I did like you know back and forth, like you know I only did it like two times. So I went down and back and then down and back and then nothing happened. Of course, because yeah. it's not, not, not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So so that was my that was my one experience where I actually saw him from afar in real life. Did you say anything when you walked past? No, he was he was too I... far away. I couldn't get close enough. Uh, and then what's funny yeah. is when I worked at the W in Minneapolis, you know, I always worked up in Prohibition on the twenty seventh floor. And apparently right. I think he never came in on a night I was working, but he did come into the living room bar on the first floor a number of times and some girls I worked with, um Waited on him, but I, I think the nights that he came in, I just—I actually wasn't even—I wasn't even working, but even if I was, I didn't ever work on the first floor. So, um, yeah, I missed him with that. Strange, strange choice for that hang. And I, I have to say, I am really, like, kind of bummed that during my time of being back in Minnesota from uh, July of 2007 to June of um, 2012, that I didn't ever go— to Paisley Park or get in on that, on the whole thing because then eventually it, it I think they started posting it to Twitter, right, when they would have, um in later years, when they would have jams and stuff. I'm sad that I never, like... Yeah, like they stopped doing stuff for a little while. Okay. And, like, and,
0: and then he started doing stuff again. Yeah. And now since it's been converted into a museum, I haven't been, obviously, back, I, I haven't been back there, like, inside
1: since, since that second night when, when he didn't have insurance for my right. cap shirt. he didn't have insurance for your ass of, there's something kind of beautiful about that too in, in that like
0: <laughs> that lived in there and that in that in my head that's how it stayed like after that show was done too I went up to John Blackwell and I was like because he was he was standing outside the drummer and I was like hey do you, would you want to jam for a little bit I got my shoes
1: with, and he was like Man, I've been playing all day. <laughs> <laughs> he's so over it he, too. He's, he's like been doing stuff and he's got other stuff to do, so that didn't happen either. Yeah. So, so segue into I as, a, as a kid was that you should you should ask because the worst thing that will happen is that they'll say no. They'll say no, but at least you and, gave it the opportunity. Yeah, when I talked with Charles Renato from, from Brazil, he was on a, a podcast
2: episode. He was saying, "As far as I'm concerned, I've already got the no in any of these situations."
0: Right.
1: So, I can make a call and try to get it to be a yes. It's but true. I've already got the no. If yeah. I do nothing, I've already got it. It's no. the no. Yeah. I think, like, in asking sometimes, though, it's just that thing of, like, when they really say no, it's like, now it's a real letdown. You know what I mean? That if you just, like, yeah, you have the no and you just scoot by it. Like, but if they really, like, shoot you down, then it's like, oh, fuck, now it's a real. Like, that's what was my like, asking my parents. That's the risk. Yeah. Like, that's the risk. Of, in your life, you have to risk rolling, you have to roll the dice like that or. Not have the kind of ride, exactly, right? If you never, if you never roll the dice
0: like that, you'll never have the ride of actually hitting it,
1: yeah. And then being like, no, you know, who knows? Like, one look at the ride that you just had at the stand up, yeah, to our favor more often than not, right? Well, and your no came into a fun story that you can always tell. You know what I mean? Like, yours was a yes no. You just didn't you you know no to yourself. You knowed yourself the first time, even though it was a yes. And then he knowed you the second time, you know, so that's funny. Yeah. So I went to Paisley Park. I don't know if I told you this. Yeah, because I think I saw you after my trip. Like, I think I saw you right before I went to the airport. And I went to Paisley. I'd never been to Paisley Park. I'd never driven by it my whole entire time of living in Minneapolis and Minnesota my entire life. I never even went near Paisley Park, so I'm gonna set. I'm setting this up for a story I want to tell you. And so I, you guys would talk about it. Never went. Never drove out to Chanhassen, Never knew where it was. Never knew what it looked like. I think I had like I never even Googled it. I never had an idea what this place looked like at all. Right? Road. Yeah. So when he, after he died, I. So, like, no one – there's only been two people that have crossed over, that have passed away, that have visit visited me in my dreams. And this is really interesting because it's my uncle, my dad's brother, who I was close to, and Prince. Out of, like, all the people that have come and went into my life, out of famous people, out of this and that, only two people that have crossed over have ever visited me in my dreams. And – I have to say that's pretty rude of those other ones, but Tell me about it. What assholes, right? Their own yeah, they're like, Peace. They're a lot <laughs> yeah. here on this plane. Yeah. They're like, We're out. I'm like, all right, see you later. Um so it must be pretty great over there, guys. <laughs> I hope you're having fun. I've heard I've heard it's you know, it's it's yeah. better than here. Um <laughs> so the first time he came to me, I was looking for him and I was in a hallway and I was like, Where's Prince? Where's Prince? I need to find Prince. And then he comes out of somewhere, and um, I just hug him, and we like are just in embrace with each other, right? And then that was the dream. Then the second time, in the second dream, I'm the same things happening. I'm like where I'm in this hallway, and the okay. So I have to I have to set this up. I'm in this hallway. The hallway's gray. It's all gray with gray doors. And I said, I'm like, where's Prince's things? I need his things. Where are his things? Where is Prince and where are his things? And all of a sudden he comes out from out of one of the rooms. And again, he just leans into me and he's putting his head on my shoulder because I'm five, six, and he's 4, whatever. So he's shorter than me anyway. And in the dream, he was even shorter than me. Right. And I'm just holding him. And telepathically, in the dream, he told me, he's like, I fucked up. He's like, I thought I knew everything about life, and I didn't. And I made a mistake by leaving, right? Even though technically, in the world of, in the spiritual world, they say that we, basically, before incarnating into this, into our lives, we have a we make our contract and in our contract we basically decide already when we're going to die so just this is like a little side note so basically like you're like okay i'm going to die on this day at this time from blah 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 so like if you're for instance like let's say scared of dying from covid well if you didn't put that in your contract prior to coming to earth you you might be worried about getting sick and going through this horrible sickness but if that's not your time to die it's not your time to die like you've already set it up so we could look at that aspect of like well he set up his death day of when he wanted to die and that was his time to exit but we're gonna put that notion and that teaching and that philosophy aside from the spiritual world and we're just gonna go back to the dream of he said he thought he had it all figured out and he didn't and he fucked up and he wasn't ready to leave yet and i just held him for like a really long time in this dream then i woke up the next time i had a dream of him was shortly after that and i was in this uh like gymnasium and I was sitting in these bleachers, and there was a stage down below, and there was people, there was some musicians playing. And then out of nowhere, Prince comes from wherever he materialized from and walks down the steps and goes onto the stage. And he looks at me, and he's like, I want to play you some music. And he played me a private concert, and which was so cool and fun. So now so now I've had those three dreams, right? And this is shortly after he died. Like I think these dreams came to me like six months to a year after he died. And still have haven't been to Paisley Park. Still know nothing about anything. Just you know, fell in love with his music and have been you know a, a big fan. And was really sad when he died. And I don't normally get sad when celebrities die, but he his death kind of affected me. And um, and then I was having lunch out here um, on Sunset with Sarah Jo from Minneapolis. She was visiting, and she's a mutual friend of ours. And. Uh, Something came up about Prince and I told her and uh, her friend Tara that was she was at lunch with us where us three are having lunch and about my three dreams. And then Sarah said to me that one of her good friends used to work for Prince and told her these stories that Prince rarely like crossed boundaries or overly hit on or anything of any of the females that worked on staff for him. But what he would do was that he would come and just cuddle with them. So I thought it was so interesting with knowing nothing about that side of him, that in my dream, all he did was wanted to lean his head on my shoulder and cuddle with me, right? Then cut to, so when I was visiting Minnesota um, last August, and I had it, uh, my friend got us tickets to do the VIP tour of Paisley Park. So... We're driving up to it. And I remember just, like, looking over, and it's this, like, totally industrial white building. And, like, there's nothing flashy about it. It just looks like another suburban, you know, weird, industrial, dumb building that means, like, that is nothing. And I looked over, and I'm like, holy shit, that's, like... All these years, I imagined all this stuff, and that's Paisley Park. Like, it was so underwhelming and unassuming, and I was like, okay. And then, so we... So go- that was during the day that you saw it. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Because at night, it was oftentimes lit up purple, too.
1: Which okay, was, which that, gave it a little it bit more... Extra cool, I think, at night. Yeah, but, so... the way the ice
0: castle would kind of look when you'd see pictures of the...
1: Right. Versus the daytime, versus the nighttime. Yeah, it's like it so magical. Yeah. yeah. So then we go in and it's like this whole different world inside, you know, and we go through the tour and it's it's amazing and it's informative. And the reason why I asked you if that guy was like that you were talking about earlier, um, the diehard Prince fan, if he was a tour guide, because our tour guide, I think out of all the guides couldn't have been more of a diehard Prince fan. Right. And he was at every show. He went to every show that he would do those that you that you and Andy and Brian went to in the in the little nightclub room at Paisley Park. and. He there was even at one point he's like, "Look, look, that's me on the video, and he's like up on the stage, and he was like a lot younger, and his hair was long and all this stuff. So it was actually really cool to have your tour guy be like someone who spent a lot of time at Paisley Park, who attended every show who was like has so much knowledge and so much passion. So he was a great, he was a great tour guide. And then, so we go through, like, we're going through the whole thing. You, like, start at the welcome desk area or whatever, and you go through, and you go to where, like, where he would, like, hang out and eat dinner, and, you know, they're telling a bunch of stories, and you go to the different rooms that they've set up with, like, different of his different costumes that he wore and then you see all his guitars that they like have in cases and then they bring you into the bigger audit like grand auditorium room that I was talking about then they took you into the smaller room that you guys were in and then then we also went to all the studios and went through all the studios and then now we're in this back hallway right yeah and we're standing in the hallway and like we come out of one of the um the last studio room that we were in and I turned and I looked down the hallway and I was like, holy shit. This is the exact hallway from my dream. The one with the gray walls. The only difference is the doors in this hallway were wood colored instead of gray. But behind all these doors, which we didn't go into, we just walked down the hallway, were all of Prince's things. And that was the dream that I was, like, in the gray hallway where are Prince's things, where are Prince's things. And I, like, just got chills, like, up and down my body. Like, holy shit, like, I've never been here and I completely, like, channeled this place and met Prince in dream time in this hallway, you know? And um, I was just, like, blown away. Like, my mind was blown. And then three months ago now uh he came to me in a dream again i hadn't seen him in a long time obviously like years now since i've seen him in my dream so he's been he's been passed away for it's been four years now and um so three months ago like two days ago yeah so three months ago he shows up out of nowhere and i'm like i knew in my dream that i was waiting for him and i was like sitting on this couch like waiting for him and then he shows up and he's an all white and he's glowing and in my dream. And I said it like I meant it like it, it wasn't I was saying it like facetiously or like whatever. I, I said to him, I said, oh, I totally know you were going to wear that today. <laughs> like his, <sighs> his all white glowing outfit. And he's like, yeah. And he said something. And then and then he took me to his house so where he lives now. And like we had a day to like plan to like hang out. And then I woke up. And it's just really funny because like. For not really having any real contact with him on this earth plane, like during his life, besides my Hollywood walk by and the one concert, you know, and then you guys introducing all of his music to me, uh, excuse me, all of his music to me, like his like deeper, like awesome non, you know, real like radio play stuff. Like he's definitely been um, coming to me a lot since he's crossed over, which I just find really interesting. Did you read the beautiful ones? Not yet.
0: Yeah, I haven't read it yet either. I got it from my brother, though, for a Christmas present, and he read it, I think, pretty much in
1: one night. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) wow. He he got through it pretty quickly. Yeah. I'm sad for him that he didn't get to be more involved in this passion project of his because it was definitely – writing this book was a passion project of his and like i commend the guy for finishing it and keep keeping the story going after prince passed away um but it's really i i it's it it's too bad that and maybe i mean it's beautiful in the sense like he had such a mystique and to keep the real mystique going you know it's like kind of like like a play on all of it you know like he didn't really fully get to tell his side of the story I'm sure there's so much we'll never know, you know, but that yeah. this guy in whatever he wrote, which I'm excited to read it when I do sit down and when I get it and do sit down and read it, but that this guy finished the project, I think is really cool. Yeah. So, it makes me think, like, it brought up, as you were saying that, it made me think of the
0: Rainbow Children album, which was, I think, it was maybe 2003-ish mm-hmm. or so, but it was, like, that, if you were to listen to that one from beginning all the way through to the end, and the first time you do, you might be like, oh, man, I don't know. Like, I don't know how you react to the first time you listen to it. Mm-hmm. But then the next time you listen through it again, and you might still not like it yet. Then, like, the third time you start listening to it, you're like, wait, there's, a, there's like, a whole thing going on here.
3: And then oh. you start,
0: it starts to go, reveal itself, and you're like, wait, this is like a sort of, it almost feels like a sort of puzzle like a puzzle game that's undefined but you're still there's something to like be put together here and you hear these like this this voice it's like this slowed down voice but if you listen to what they're saying on there I, I think it's worth a listen
1: and I'm gonna have when to go about favorite albums
0: that's an, another one that really stands out and I think all of, the theme between my favorite albums of his are
3: either they have from beginning to end. They play as like a full experience, mm-hmm.
0: or it's like a live album that has really great, you know, mix to it and great performance of those versions of the songs.
3: Right. But the Rainbow Children I think is one that most people have been sleeping on,
1: but it's it's got really good band on that one. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to go down the rabbit hole with a that one. Yeah, for sure. If you can get a version of it where you can look at the cover of it, uh-huh. if you look at the spine of the cover,
0: Trince is like right there on the spine of the cover, peeking at you. And then I don't think he's on the whole rest of the cover.
3: <laughs> oh, like this cartoony thing! It's it's.
0: That was the thing too. Back in the day, with his artwork, the album artwork of any of these albums is like very nicely produced photos and really beautiful imagery and. The lyrics
1: oftentimes were printed in there. Yeah. Some of these things are things that I I miss, too. Right, of actually having a tangible album or just his way of doing stuff. Yeah. What I want to close out with is, so I just wanted to have you kind of explain to people that are listening about, like, how, well, first of all, I want to ask you, like, Did they do anything? Could they do anything? Was anything done on any level for Prince Day? Because didn't they—didn't the governor declare April 21st in Minneapolis Prince Day? Was that a real thing?
0: That's a great question. That's something that I would need to maybe read a little bit more about. Okay. Was something—have you heard of something
1: recently happening about that? No, I just didn't know. Like, I heard, like— the year that he died like that the governor was going to or did declare april 21st prince day and then i know like every year thus far except for i would say maybe this year like they've done a ton of stuff in minneapolis for it or at least first avenue has done it or people like light up things purple and then the current this
0: year is something unique among the radio stations here and all of them at a certain time, and I don't remember what the date was, but I think it might have been on that day, or maybe it was before that. But they all played "Purple Rain" at the same time,
3: oh. like,
0: and that was on the current, and on KDWB, and on like um, KQRS. I think it was like on all like the the big names, like. Otherwise, competing,
1: competing, like, radio stations where they all played performing at the same time. That's so cool. And I know every year, like, the current, at least years, I didn't check this year, um, play Prince, like, all day long on the 21st of April. Um, Yeah. But that's really cool. So, yeah, I know, like, because, you know, in in years prior, people, people would still have, like, tribute concerts and different stuff going around Minneapolis on the 21st of April, but yeah i didn't know how they would handle this year doing anything for that or if there was anything special that happened so that's really cool i think another
0: tip too to think about is like if you go back in time like everyone knows purple rain go back to the first album of princes that he put out and then listen to that all the way through and listen to each one as it goes on from there he's the youngest as far as i know he at the time at least he was the youngest person that a record company gave like the full creative control to be able to produce the album
3: yeah
0: and i want to say he was 18 at the time maybe when that one wow yeah i mean like master producer master musician
3: pop artist obviously yeah like, listening to it and how how sonically the albums change as you go further in
0: time and he's always experimenting with different things and there's always really cool sounds happening.
2: Mhm. There's a certain era of sound that was just defined by those
0: drum machines that he was using and like then you hear it coming through in like the early nineties stuff and Janet
1: Jackson and Paula Abdul music right. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What I thought was cool when I you know came back for those years in Minneapolis and spending a lot of time going out and seeing music is you really could see especially coming from living in LA for a long time and seeing live shows here and then going back and seeing what's happening in Minneapolis is how many people, they were really influenced in their sound by different aspects of Prince. And I I thought that was cool. Like you could see it really infused in, I don't know about now because I haven't lived in Minneapolis for um, coming up eight years, but Back when I was there, everyone's trying to bite Prince a little bit. Yeah, uh, it's like you could you could feel in his Indiana influence. anyone says that they're not
0: trying to like do a little something that was inspired by Prince, they're lying. Yeah, I
1: don't care who it is. I like, could feel it like in everybody. Them. Yeah.
0: And you should be. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna bite a little something,
1: bite it from the best. That's that's how you're supposed to do it. No shit. And Prince did the same thing from Miles
3: Davis. I mean, like, mm-hmm. and James Brown, and he he had that little pep in
1: his step because he watched those guys do mm-hmm. their thing. Well, we watched Prince do his thing and it made mm-hmm. us go, "Oh, I'm kind of cool too." Yeah, whatever. You know, like, yeah, you broadened have, yourself. Like, there's a certain attitude behind it. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. That's still alive. That's funky. And it's really cool because it's in it's in the like you know the threading of Minneapolis as his his spirit is so present there. I think a lot of musicians also really have that sort of they get that little I
0: don't know how how we get it but like you go and hear the combo the first time and you're like, Yeah!
1: <laughs> like that was naturalistic oh, I love going to I, hear I the combo. Yeah. Me. I that's one thing I wanted to do when I was back was go see the combo. But it just didn't work out. Yeah. And like I miss that. That's like I mean, you can't sit around. Like you have to dance. Like and you have to like get oh, up op, like oh every my god. Sunday, every Monday. Oh yeah. I miss that so much. Next trip I'm coming back for some Sunday Monday combo for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always like whatever the lineup is, it's, it's going to be some great musicians. Yeah. Just jamming out. Dr. Mama's combo. Yeah. And then there was that one, there's that one white older guy who's always there and he's always dancing in the corner, like by himself. He didn't talk to anyone. He just yeah. dances the whole time and he like spins in circles a lot. And like he was yeah. there like every week. Yeah, I would see him at other concerts too. Yeah, just in his own world, happy, just, yeah. He'll take anyone for a spin around the dance floor too. Yeah. All right, Rick Oslin. Well, I think we should wrap it up because it is like so hot here today, and I don't have the air conditioning on in the back room here. So, for noise purposes, and I'm like. I'm now melting, and I need. Oh, way it's nice and it's nice and warm. I know, wham, wham, wham. I know. It's like the first night day, and I'm like, Mah. no, but I also oh, need it's really to. Nice uh... Here too, it's like it's in the mid fifties, I think, or something. I don't know what it is, but. Oh really? There's a guy. I'm looking at a, a bald guy across
0: the street right now, and he has running
2: shorts on and he's got a short sleeve shirt. So
1: very Minnes- very Minnesotan of him. Mid fifties and like they're in like summer gear. It's like. Actually, it's like 80-something here today. Or wow. 90. Yeah, it went from, like, being freezing cold and raining, literally, to just, like, now we're going to go to, like, insane temperatures. I have a quick question. What is, yeah. what is Mailey the Golden Princess's favorite prince song? That is a good question. You know, I didn't ask her. I really didn't ask I think she would find her. that rude. I know. She's been sleeping this whole time. I'm surprised she hasn't even, like, came in the back room here and seen what I've been up to. Like, she's just, like, passed out in the front room air conditioning. I wonder what... Amazing. I wonder what Melee the Golden Princess is. I'll post it later. Yeah. I, I look forward to seeing your post of
0: what Melee's favorite Prince song
1: is. I'll post it with the post of this episode. So, like... Oh, that sounds that sounds great. Yeah, yeah, I'll give her some days till you know, really think about it, you know? So, oh, I think I'm gonna have to go back home and I'm gonna bake some either some bars or some cookies tonight. Oh, yeah, you want to do it? You know, I, I think some bars are good. Um, oh, you know, yeah. some tater tot hot dish if you could uh send me some of that right over, that would be you know, that would be I, I would I would love some tater tot hot dish, you know. Um, mm, that'd be good. Unfortunately, though, it's not organic and I'm vegan. and, I'm gluten free, so I just oh, don't know if oh, I can yeah. have that. Now, now you're a vegan, but does that mean you, you still eat chicken, though? Right? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love when people think that chicken is still a. Vegetable. They
1: have no idea what the fuck anything <laughs> is. Sometimes I'll be like, I'll be like at work, I'll be like, in the soups, then the soup today it's vegan, it's always vegan, whatever. And they're like, right after, like, so does that have any cream in it? And I'll just look at them like a fucking asshole, and I'll be like. No, it's vegan. I won't even like answer yeah, the question. I'll just like I'll just reiterate that it's vegan and let them figure that out on their own what that actually means because I just don't you have don't time for it. With you. Yeah. All right, Rick Osland. It has all been right. a pleasure. And thank everyone you. listening to our fun prince episode, thank you for listening. Yeah, and thank you for tuning in, everybody. Yeah. We will talk with all of you later. Do you have any sponsors to thank or any? Uh, no, any? not right now. I haven't done that yet. I have them, like, waiting to sponsor me. I just haven't recorded it. Because I've been waiting to do it back in the booth to, so, to get a good recording. Right. I haven't want, I yeah. haven't been wanting to do it in my homemade booth, you know? But at this well, point... some people out there listening
0: right now. And, and getting in contact with Sarah Lottie. Because she has a podcast. She's got multiple episodes happening. If this is your first time listening to it, go check out Creatrix Culture. And you can also make donations
1: on your page, right? Over on Anchor. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I believe your podcast can also accept Ooh. donations. Oh, I didn't even know. Hey guys, donate to me yeah. and my podcasting cause. Oh, they can also leave you
0: messages. Have you done that yet?
1: That's fine. You left me a message. You can, you can go leave a voice message. You, yeah. You're on the show. You. I know, you're on the, um, you left me one, and I think it's like my second episode, it starts out with you. I'm going to put that again on the front of this episode for fun. Yeah, I heard that one. Yeah, I we'll do it again. One. We'll just put that, we'll just recycle that one, because it's my only message so far. Well, so just make sure, the
0: listeners, if, if you go on to Apple Podcasts, or Anchor, or on, what is it, called, Spotify, Spotify?
1: Any of those kind of things, and
0: follow Creatrix Culture, and while you're there, check out Shoes Little Travel.
1: Yes, ab- absolutely check out Have Tap Shoes will Travel.
0: I mean, whatever. I'm, I'm talking with people about dance and performing and stuff.
1: So. But you do other things, I'll too, get, right? Uh, we should do an episode, you and me, for that one, too, at some point. We could talk about your life with tap dancing. <laughs> yes. And the weird memories you have. I, I mean, have. You were at On the Rocks the night we were there performing back in the day. I know, and I took a bunch of pictures for you. I um... know, one of those people that's in the photo is Sarah Rice,
0: who's like a world renowned tap dancer who's like a very sought after
3: performer and Wow. She was like sixteen in the photo and her her family
0: brought her down to the show that we were at that was above the Roxy. on the rocks. It's like the equivalent of if you took first Avenue Seventh Street. We were basically at Seventh Street entry but yeah.
1: at the Roxy. Yeah. <laughs> that was a fun night. Yeah, that was cool. there was a guy named Stick who was the the booker uh-huh. and I feel like we have like a pretty big band as you see in that picture I think we made a hundred dollars that night split between everybody <laughs> <laughs> yeah you guys said you had a lot of people it was, it was like you Donny, Jeremy Andy yeah uh banjo we sound too, like we should be we should be taking whatever we're making anything that night it was like, oh, he all walked out with it's like related. five bucks <laughs> yeah right wow You're such a good promoter, Rick. Like, look at you. You're like, go follow. I like, you're so good at that. Rick has been helping me. Rick is my, is my, been my podcast advisor. He's the one that really helped me set this up in the beginning. So we actually. I just knew what it was like to sit there and think about it for a long time. Well, and thought about it for a long time and I just didn't do it. uh And
0: then. I listen to podcasts all the time and have a few of them also say like they thought about it for a long time and they didn't do it and they finally did and they were like 500 episodes deep now and I put up like I think 32 of them so far so I'm I wanted to do it every week and I know that some people have said that it's it's important to have a consistent day that you've always put them out on
1: yeah and I want to
0: get to that point where I can consistently keep popping them out
1: right I just do it when I'm inspired
0: I think that's fine too. I don't think there's any problem
1: with that. Yeah. And as you move forward, you, you probably have found that they're kind of fun to do. They're I so think, fun to but, do. Even when I just sit here at ten o'clock at night in my little closety yeah. area by myself, and I'm like, you know, well, what's funny for it, me just to do it by myself? I can if I have a specific. Maybe I'll write a few things up, and I'll talk about. Yeah. But when I talk to other people, I try not to write too much of it down and just keep it. low. To be honest, I don't write when I do it by myself. I don't write anything down unless I'm reading something specific for the That's show. Awesome. I just yeah. free flow, and whatever comes out comes out. Like I have my topic, you know, and then I just kind of, and then it, you know, it kind of just takes a form of its own. Um, but You've what funny to say? I do. It doesn't stop. I was like on the phone with uh, a girl from that I went to high school with, and we haven't talked in like 20 years and we were just like talking about spirituality and different stuff and catching up. And we were on the phone for three hours and she's like, you know, I said, yeah, I'm gonna do a podcast now. And she's like, Oh, I should let you go. You can rest your voice. I'm like, no, I'm used to like talking like five to six hours a night at work, you know, and now I'm not working and I'm doing like a lot of like studying and just like researching stuff and been doing like, I've been kind of a hermit through COVID because I'm using this time like for my intellectual growth and I'm like, I, I need to talk. Like, I talk, I can talk all, like, I need to keep going. It's been, I've been too silent. So, but what I was gonna say, which is really funny, is back in, to wrap this back up to the beginning, is our days at Bad Waitress back in like uh, the late, uh, like, 09, 08, 09, like 2010. I was gonna say 010. <laughs> um, I guess that would be right, 08, 09, 010. When you and I would be at Bad Waitress, I just remember, and I, I don't remember why we were doing this, but we would like we would make fun of podcasts, but not. But I would have like a little saying. I would be like something. I think it like once I'm like, oh, did you listen to my podcast? Like something funny like that. And then like I would always do that like oh podcast. And I would like do like I just remember doing that weird voice and it was only with you. And we would like talk about these podcasts. And I always knew I was going to do one. But for some reason, I had to make fun of it, though, as well. And then we had a lot of yeah, it definitely caught on after that. But like yeah. I, I would start off by listening to like This American Life and mm-hmm. like Jane Savage, like Savage Love podcast or like
0: things like that or yeah, story ones. There was a the guy's name, was Prairie Home Companion Guy. He right? Did the news
1: from Lake Wobegon. Garrison Carolina. wasn't that his yeah. name? Yeah. So like, like early... we would like kinda of make fun of it but not. But it's just so funny that like all of our talk about it and Semi making fun of it, then like cut to you know ten years later, we both have podcasts, and you're like my yeah. advisor into setting it up properly and everything. So I just think that's really when, funny. When I was a little kid, I would set up the I had this little Radio Shack mixer, and I would set it up
0: downstairs in the basement, and I had a really crappy little microphone that the sound guy from my dad's band gave to me. It was like a mic he wasn't going to use anymore, and I would do interviews with my dad and with dandy. And they were just, like, recorded onto these cassettes. And there was a show on WCCO radio called Cannon Mess. Mm -hmm. A dude
3: named Steve Cannon. Mm -hmm. was, like, a radio guy. And it was, like, a variety show. We'd listen
1: to it on the way out to Valley Fair. My dad's band would play out there every
3: summer. Uh Every, Every summer they'd be out there Monday through Thursday. So we'd go out to this amusement
0: park, watch dad's band play, and then in between go on rides and stuff, too. But we would listen to this... This guy, it's so right, I started this, I called it the Oslin mess, and I would interview my dad and, like, friends and stuff in That's the basement. It was never, like,
1: broadcast anywhere, but it was yeah.
0: basically making podcasts with
1: cassette. Before podcasts, i play, like, MC Hammer tapes and stuff, and, like, cut those in and then come back to an interview. Yeah. I just remember doing stuff like this even as a kid. Yeah. And I've always had an interest in recording. I would do it's stuff like that with, with video. I would make, like, with my parents' yeah. camera, I'd, like, do, like, TV shows. We would make commercials. Um yeah. I was constantly making TV shows. Travel? like, I don't know. I'd have to, like, if my dad, when my parents moved from Minneapolis to Phoenix, he just chucked a lot of shit in the garbage and didn't even ask us if we wanted anything. So, like, wow. I don't know if stuff still it. exists. <laughs> he was so over it. He was so over it. So over it. I mean, hopefully tapes and photo
0: albums were saved because... Those are, like,
1: the things that are... I know photo albums were, but he even had, like, a projector with, like, a slide projector with a screen Uh and everything and a bunch of slides, and I think he just chucked the whole thing, even the slides. Wow. And, like, that was, like, when him and my mom lived in Hawaii, like, before my brother and I were born, you know? Yeah. But didn't even ask us, like, there was so much shit that he threw away that he didn't even ask us if we wanted it. He just was like, fuck it. And just, like, chucked it. <laughs> he chucked wow, it in the yeah. fuck it bucket. Yeah. I wonder if
0: it was, like, such a wait for so long that, like, instead of taking the
1: time to disseminate it all, he could just be clear of it all. And yeah, totally. Maybe it
0: was heavy to carry that around.
1: Well, and just moving, somewhere. yeah. There's so much, I mean, they lived in that house in Maple Grove for, like, 20-plus years, so he just, like, didn't right. want to have to move it down to Arizona, didn't want to have to deal with it, and just didn't really care, and I was moving around we did that a lot. Once where we had a big dumpster out in front of our house in St. Louis Park and cleared out a lot of stuff. Yeah. But I, I just made sure to keep the tapes. Right, you got to keep the tapes and the all photo albums. the tapes and the pictures, as much of that stuff. Do you still have those... Can't go and buy a new one. No, do you still have those cassette tapes with your shows? I do think... I,
2: I have one more bin of stuff
0: that I have to go through because I think there are some... Dance competition tapes and some some of those old cassette ones. I might have a couple of. Mm-hmm. I might have a an old cassette of
3: my band Davenport playing at the Seventh Street Entry when I was in like I was a junior in high school. Oh wow! Well. And somehow we booked a gig there. Mm-hmm. They let us play as the first band,
1: and then we all had to get out because you're long. underage. <laughs> you couldn't yeah. stay we're yeah. like 15. <laughs> right. That's awesome, though, that you got to do that. I think I kept a few of those things. I tried to keep as many of those as I could, thinking, like, maybe one day it would be interesting to check it out again. Well, if you do still have those cassette tapes, I think it would be really funny if you did a little compilation and put it on your podcast of, like, your <laughs> old podcast, your first <laughs> you your first podcast before podcasts even existed. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah, I think that would be really fun. That's cool. Thanks
3: for the suggestion.
1: I, I will try that. You're welcome. I
0: do have a cassette deck. I have the ability to play the tapes. And I also have
2: recently purchased a a thing that you can use to plug your VCR into
0: USB,
3: basically. Oh. Which
0: then lets you record onto your computer.
3: Wow. And so I can transfer VHS tapes, but it also
0: has the, the right and left audio. So if I were to plug that tape cassette player in, it would also work in the same way. So I could, in theory, just transfer that stuff over really easily.
1: That's awesome. That would be awesome. That'd be so fun to listen to. Actually,
0: I could just record it right onto this thing that I'm recording onto right now. That'd probably be even easier. Oh yeah. Either way, yes, I, I can. I have all the equipment to transfer it. I just
1: have to find the tapes. I think I know where they are, though. Well, go hunting, Rick Osland. Go yeah, right? hunting. <laughs> all right, well, well All right. We're doing an official Minnesota goodbye. Oh my god! It just goes on forever, that is so we had to go funny. Forward. We totally just did a—we wrapped up the whole show, and then we kept going for, like, another— I think Kylie and I did that, too. I don't think we fully wrapped up the show, but, like, we were leaving each other and then talked for another 30 more minutes. So, like, yeah, we're leaving now. We're no, no more minnesota Goodbye,ing this. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've almost got two
0: hours in on this one. We're, we're
1: yeah, we're doing good. We're doing like, good. pretty good take. And I'm also impressed
0: because all of my equipment is running off of batteries, including my phone that i am got connected to the— recorder it's all it's all battery powered i'm sitting in my car and that's probably why you've heard car sounds in the background i apologize for that but i'm sitting here at the the parking lot of the jasmine 26
1: yeah being a weirdo just with the microphone in the car there are no other cars in this parking lot at all oh Oh, yeah i guess they're all a lot um... of people walking their dogs I forgot we're still on COVID. Like sometimes I forget that this is even happening because I'm like so in my own world of like having fun and like doing my own thing. And then like I could leave and go to the grocery store and it's all weird and everyone's in masks. Or I even just step out on the street and like you know people just like move away from you and you forget why you know and you're like why the fuck are you moving away from me? Like I don't have cooties, you know what I mean? And then like and then like they're all in their masks and then and then you see the line at the grocery store and then you get reminded like I don't know if you guys have lines in your grocery store but every grocery store here has a fucking line. And then you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, I forget, this is going on. Like, the whole world is like, you know, in this weird, like, hello. <laughs> wow. There's a line to get in even, too. Yeah, like Trader Joe's, you yeah. know, the one below my house? Yeah. It, sometimes it takes, like, an hour in line. Sometimes it takes, like, 20 minutes. And then once you get everything in the. Trader Joe's, oftentimes, like, the the thing about
0: Trader Joe's is usually there's at least two samples at any given time when you want them. Oh, not anymore. One's going to
1: be some sort of, like, concentrated juice yeah. beverage. No, they haven't. A-
0: the other one,
1: yeah, yeah. the other one's going to be some sort of stir-fry that a person's totally. electric an electric thing, like what do you call those pan? A whatever. stir-fry pan? Electric saute pan. Oh, with, yeah. yeah. You know, like stir-fry carrots with teriyaki chicken. Here you go, try some. It smells good, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's one girl that's really that's good at apple cider. promoting her when she's doing the samples. She's really good at promoting the samples. Like you can hear her yelling throughout the whole store and she has like fun little like things she yells out. It's really funny. Okay, we're Minnesota oh, goodbyeing good again, that. Rick. We're not doing this I anymore. Like great. we're really leaving. Know. My shit's I was gonna, gonna die too. All right. Thank you so much, Sarah Thank Lani. you for joining me. Thank you everyone for listening. And we will talk with all you all soon. Have a good day, night. <laughs> Woohoo. Namaste. Namaste. Bye. Bye. Wait, are you, a, you hanging up now or no? Yeah, but like it's my phone says low batteries, so I have to like exit out of that okay. first before I can click cool. off. So I'm really going now. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll okay. You soon. it was great chatting with you. We'll you too. You soon.
3: Okay, bye. All right, bye.
0: Hi, this is Rick Osland with Have Tap Shoes, Will Travel in Minneapolis, Minnesota.
2: And you're listening to Creatrix Culture with Sarah Lottie.